we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we have stolen your pants. That's right. <laughs> Sometime during the day, today or yesterday, we snuck into your home, stole your pants. All you have is left is shorts and those ugly, ugly Hawaiian shirts. Now, just to be clear, it wasn't all three of us, so you can't definitively prove who did it. Correct. It was one of us, or maybe a henchman. Maybe it was just Scott. We don't know. We don't know, because Scott is not here to defend himself. So, with that said, welcome to another crazy episode where we will talk about things both awesome, amazing, and spectacular, but nothing horrible. It is all worth your time to listen to us gab talk and continue to uh, meander through our thoughts of, yeah. You know, it, it's like space balls, you know. We, we're flying along and suddenly we need to go into hyperspace, but we decide we want to go faster than that, so we go to ludicrous speed and go to plaid. It's just that simple. So who wants to take the reins on this? Uh, who wants to jump in first? Well, I am prepared to begin the quest for more funny. Yes, so. you've already made snowball <laughs> comments and, and, and remarks. It's so, it's always awesome. And and some of you may have noticed that Dan is sounding particularly crisp today. That's a sweet audio upgrade on his part. So everybody out there, give a sweet uh, comment of congratulations. Yes, but, he stepped uh, into the world of real microphones, and we're all very happy. You know, I, I have really good microphones. I just am tired of hooking my laptop up to my soundboard and running one mic from it, because my soundboard can support 12 mics. Um, that would have so been awesome. I decided, You should have okay. had 12 mics the whole time. Perfect stereo surround. It would just have been that, amazing. <laughs> Dan would be the only one featured in Dolby Atmos. You know, I tried to do that, but then I got feedback all the time, and you hear it was just, yeah. Oof. It would have been a squelching fest. But at any rate, launching into today's episode, we've been talking a little bit about what are some of the things that we'd like to pursue a little bit further. And if you listened to last week's episode, where we spoke a little more about Star Wars, we had yes. some follow-up conversations and decided that something else we'd like to explore a little more in kind of that pop culture sphere is the Marvel Universe. Uh, and so despite the various fights that we could be getting into over DC versus Marvel today is just the Marvel talk. <laughs> well, and let's be clear. Let's be clear. We love DC. We love Marvel. There is we room do. for both. There we, is room. There, for, is. there does not need to be division here. There and, is. We, and we don't need to say it, but everybody knows <laughs> which is better. So that's, we're not the, we're not gonna say it. Everybody can think their own thought, dude. That is the that is the commentator equivalent of, of um. I don't mean to be rude, but <laughs> hey, <laughs> all I'm saying is fifty percent of us are right. Hey, hey, look, not trying to be racist, but no, no. hey, you know what butts are for, right? You know what butts are for. I'm sure it rhymes Sitting with on Batman. Pooping. Oof, so that's all butts are for. Pooping. <laughs> Getting them kicked by Batman, I think. <laughs> <laughs> at any rate all right so so i've got a question for you guys like uh i realized that out of the three of us let me think let me think let me think i think dan's childhood stretches just slightly farther than mine yep and my childhood is significantly farther than alton's more than but, yep. but yeah yeah with yeah uh, like but but what was it 
I want you to dig back as far as you can. What was your first Marvel property experience? And and I think the comic books are too easy. We'll get back to comic books later. Let's talk about media that is not comic book. So what was your first Marvel non-comic book media experience? Yeah, so for me, you know, I, um, I, I didn't really watch a lot of TV as a kid, but I do distinctly remember seeing you know, X-Men and a couple of the other, you know, some of that resurgence that was happening in the nineties, very colorful, um, and a lot of movement. Um, but at least we were kind of coming out of the age of traditional Funimation where it was just the same cells cut over and over again. Recycled. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but I remember all of that and, uh, X-Men in particular, I remember their big to do with Burger King and all the toys that came out and, and it was a really interesting time. Um, now, that being said, I didn't really get into superheroes or anything like that um, until much later down the road. Um, and I know that it's very cliche. I understand that that's where I'm at. But uh, the first Iron Man film was really the one that kind of opened up the genre for me. Now, that's, that's me. Dan, what about you? first marvel property that was not a comic book uh so it actually is a film from 1978 it is nice. spider-man strikes back yes starring uh what, what was his name uh nicholas hammond uh he played peter parker and spider-man you know it was corny it was horrible you know every shot you saw spider-man scaling a wall it was you know the camera was tilted and it was he's really just crawling across the floor uh a lot like batman uh, the adam west batman mm-hmm. so that was <laughs> I, I and i remember watching that as a kid it was on tv in syndication you know cut slashed however you want it so they could it could fit in there the next one i can remember after that is howard the duck george lucas film film um, oh man yeah, with Leah Thompson and uh, uh, Principal Rooney. Yep, Principal Rooney <laughs> as the bad guy. And the overseer. Like, his name's escaping me, but he was in—he was the main character in Shawshank Redemption. Um, uh, Tim Robbins. Oh, Shawshank. Yeah, Tim Robbins. Yeah. Was Tim Robbins and Howard the Duck? Yes, he was the crazy science guy that was in love with Leah Thompson. Scary. That makes sense. That totally yeah. makes sense. Um, the, it was all like Howard. Yeah, uh, dude, that ending, know, the end of that movie with the Howard the Duck song and like, yeah. you know, people in the stage, that was like my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, yep. That was amazing. Uh, so that was, that, that was kind of, that was Marvel uh, in a nutshell. Uh, Marvel for me has always been Spider-Man. Um, I just, I love the character. I love the villains. I love uh, the story behind that character. And the other thing I think that I really enjoy about the character is he's the type of character that no matter how many times he gets kicked down, he still gets back up to do the right thing. And, and, you know, as human beings, as myself, uh, as a kid, I could see myself as Spider-Man, you know, he gets bitten while he's a young kid. He makes mistakes over and over and he still does the right thing. And so that was always cool for me uh, as a character. Unfortunately, Marvel was not my first comic book foray, but um, 
I still well, enjoy. We'll definitely get to that eventually. Yes. Yeah, so what about you, Krebs? Uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to nail down precisely what my first experience was. Um, my mind immediately went to the early '80s uh, seasons of Super Friends. Nice. And I have all of. Yeah. Uh, and, and I didn't know this. I, I looked it up just for verification, but apparently it ran from 1973 to 1985. Yeah. And so it went through that whole period of like Hanna-Barbera and Funimation and all of that sort of style of animation that was going on at the time. Uh, Alton already touched on it. You know, um, He-Man was wildly popular, but it was done incredibly cheaply. Yeah. by Funimation's formula of animate it once, use it a thousand times, right? Yeah. And um, and G.I. Joe was popular at the time. Transformers was popular at the time, all that stuff. In fact, actually, I think those series kind of snuffed out some of the older cartoons. Hanna-Barbera started losing their, their grip on the cartoon market with uh, the introduction of Japanese-sourced animation. But, uh, but Super Friends, I, I remember I, somewhere on VHS, because I have a lot of my old VHS tapes, and I don't even know if the staples even play anymore. But somewhere, I have one where um, you had Colossus and Wolverine, and I think Wolverine was in there. Maybe he wasn't yet. But it was Colossus and Cyclops and Nightcrawler, and they were in the danger room. And what was cool about all these episodes is that they were narrated by Stan Lee. Uh, and he would always come on, hello there, super friends, you know, and like it, he was uh, he was great. So that was that's the first thing that I remembered. And then I realized, wait a second. I was a huge fan of the Lou Ferrigno, the uh, Incredible Hulk series. Hmm. And I loved that as a kid. Now, as a as a little kid, what I cared about was when wussy, teeny, tiny uh, Bruce Banner became Lou Ferrigno. Right. Like that's. That was what I cared about. I cared about the transformation. Um, but when I think about it in retrospect, I think it's possible that all those episodes I saw were just reruns. I don't think I ever watched the show when it was new. And so I don't think that – I don't know if I'm going to count that. Uh, but mm -hmm. Super Friends, I watched when it was new, and I adored it. Uh, it opened up uh, – just like you were talking about, Dan, like of course I was familiar with Superman and Batman because those are like Americana, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but, but then I got introduced to Spider-Man and, uh, and, and then I learned a little bit about the X-Men and then I learned, you know, stuff like that. I'm looking at this now and, and, and Super Friends was actually the DC cartoon. So I just gave you a whole bunch of information about there the DC cartoon, but, um, didn't sound right in my head, but I wasn't but going was, to be the one, but there was a, there was like was, a Marvel, there was a yeah, Marvel Spider-Man and Super Friends, if I yeah. remember it. Yeah. They what had like very it? similar names. They had very and it similar was, names. it was Iceman and, and Firestorm. Yeah. With and it. fire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was either mm -hmm. fire. It wasn't a Firestar or something like that. Oh. Um, yeah. Firestar. Excuse me. I think it was Firestar, but yeah, it was like the early, early X-Men phase. Um, so I, the 1973 to 85, that was the DC Super Friends. I apologize for that. Let me correct that. Um, but I, I'm trying to remember what the Marvel cartoon was called, but it was something like that. Cause he would, cause Stan Lee would always call call you a it's, super friend. It's it was Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Oh, and his amazing, cause it's the there amazing Spider-Man, right? Yeah. yeah and his so amazing friends. Was, it was 1981 and it lasted for three seasons. That makes sense. And that feels right. Cause that was, that was the right period of time. So yeah, that was my, that was my first foray into Marvel IP as a child. Um, now Alton kind of already touched on this. He, he talked about like his first, his first real Marvel film that kind of got him initiated into the, into the whole Marvel spectrum of, of cinema. 
Um, there were, as you mentioned, Dan, man, there were there were actually several attempts at making a good Marvel film before we got what we now know oh, as yeah. the um, the Infinity Stone series, right? Like basically, yeah. basically the the Avengers um, phase one through three. So um, you mentioned the Spider-Man film from 1978. There was a Captain uh, America film. Yeah. Um, I, well, and then you've I, got like, you've I was got just like looking the Sam at, Raimi films and sorry. Yeah. No, I was, I was just looking at the cast and I just realized something about that Spider-Man and his amazing friends, which I never correlated. Um, so Iceman was voiced by Frank Welker. And for those oh, of you that don't know who it is, Frank Welker is the actual original voice for Megatron. Yep. Um, uh, just no, that's just awesome. I, I love that. That is awesome. More now than I did before. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so I mean, there were there were quite a few um, attempts prior to the you know Marvel really getting their groove with Iron Man. Yeah. You know, we had Howard the Duck. It was a one-off that didn't do that great. We had a Captain America film that a lot of people just kind of don't realize existed. Um, <laughs> okay. We and had two Spider-Man and movies, one in 1977 for, and 78. For for the record, though, I think that we ought not... I mean, I mean, we could briefly mention, but I don't think we should seriously include, like, made-for-TV movies. Because yeah. that was a big thing in this, in, like in the 70s and the 80s, made-for-television mm. movies and miniseries. Um, you know, what, what we now call a limited series or a limited event uh is it's just it's it's a show that is com that is planned to be completed within three to six episodes and that's it it's not meant to be a multi-season thing um that was all the rage in the mm -hmm. 80s a new mini series from the creators you know whatever right and so uh mini series made for tv movies i th we can mention them if we want but i don't think we should include them as like cinema mm -hmm. then again martin so scorsese wouldn't include any of the marvel movies as cinema <laughs> But then, you know, it's it's kind of interesting, though, because Marvel and DC both, I mean, I mean, comic books in general, they've got over 100 years at this point, right? Like, and, and yet the idea, particularly in America, of this, this mythology of the underdog coming out on top and, and the individual citizen becoming, you know, a big enough power to be able to help shape the world is something that has really stuck um, in, in the American pop culture psyche in particular. And I know that it's kind of a an avenue that's probably already been explored by a lot of people talking about kind of the staying power behind these franchises. But I also think that it opens up a lot of doors to consider, like, what is it about this fascination with superheroes that gives it the kind of emotional and popular staying power that we are willing to do all of these iterations and keep trying and keep trying and keep trying oftentimes moving in directions that don't make sense. So, so your question then is, is what, what keeps us trying to tell these stories? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I but, think it's, Oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Dan, you go first. You go first. No, me. Okay. I mean, well, the beauty of comic books is it always reinvents itself. You know, as we've looked, read comic books throughout the year, there's always a crisis or something that allows them to kind of reset the universe to 
present day or what's popular at this time. And I feel like that still translates over to movies, you know, um, the arrow TV series, uh, they had this wonderful, uh, crossover event, infinite or yeah, something on infinite earth crisis on infinite earth. That's exactly what it was. And because of that, and, and I get that this is a DC, um, but because of that, they were able to pull all of these other uh, movies and everything and conglomerate, I can't even speak, uh, conglomerate it into this one nice package. And I think Marvel is, is, is kind of doing that as well. You know, with the introduction of uh, Doctor Strange into this Infinity series, he said there's multiple realities and universes and blah, blah, blah. That allows them to say, hey, those 1970s Captain America movies exist. That really horrible Josh Trank um, Fantastic Four movie, it exists. You know, the Sam Rama universe, the uh, Andrew Garfield Spider-Mans, the current Tom Holland Spider-Mans, into the Spider-Verse, linked mm. all those together. They can exist, and that was done beautifully. Um, and I think Mar- that's what Marvel is banking on, and how they can re-roll this is, okay, this worked for this time period. It wasn't perfect, but it worked. It's just another universe. Um, and to be honest, we've had to wait for the technology to culminate to where it is now to really do these films justice if you would have tried to pull off an iron man movie in the 80s or 70s it wouldn't have worked you know the the hulk we see now is much different than lou ferrigno painted green um that we got back then uh you know even the you know the movies we saw in the 80s and early 90s just didn't do uh, as good justice that films can do now. You know, Blade, for example. They were okay, but the character, in my mind, would appeared much better in the cartoon series because it felt more true. That's okay. Those films were what they were at the time. Uh, and I think that's really it, it. They're constantly reinventing themselves basically due to technology, where we're at currently, and they swung uh, at a ball that was coming at them. They, you know, they casted Robert Downey Jr. for Iron Man, and they they hit a they hit a home run. And in my opinion, if if it wasn't for Robert Downey Jr., I don't think we would have gotten the continued variations of all these other uh, amazing characters that they have made into this. 10-year movie mega monolith. Um, I really think if it wasn't for him, Iron Man probably would have flopped. He made that character. You know, and then because that would have flopped, they wouldn't have tried to invest in Thor or any of the other movies thereafter. You know, know, I, I, I agree with that assessment. I think that I think that the presence of technology has enabled us to tell the story, and I definitely agree with that. But as to the question of why do we keep trying, why do we keep retelling the story? For example, the most recent Fantastic Four film had more access to technology and advancements than any of the previous three attempts. Yes. Actually, I think technically four, but three attempts 
at a Fantastic Four film. Um, ha 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 ha. Uh, but, you know, one of those attempts, I think it was by Warner Brothers and it went into obscurity. Uh, it was it was yeah, like it had Blair Underwood in it. <laughs> yeah. And it was just wretched. It was just awful. Uh, it it was it was right up there with the, the best Capri Sun commercial from the '90s you could conceive of, but um, oh man! But then you had the Yoan Griffith version, and I realize how his name is spelled, but that is how it's pronounced. I had to look it up one day, <laughs> but um, but Yoan Griffith uh, and Jessica Alba and uh, Chris Evans, Chris Evans yep. uh, mm-hmm. made his first Johnny appearance Storm. as Johnny Storm. Um, those movies, even though they weren't great. Of all the Fantastic Four films, that first Chris Evans, Jessica Alba Fantastic Four film was the best of the lot. And it wasn't great. It wasn't better than Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, but it was good. It was passable. So I think that the technology allows us, it gives us the ability to tell the story in a certain way that allows us to suspend belief and accept that these powers are real. Um, I think back to to uh, Hugh Jackman's first appearance in the very first X-Men at like the end of the 90s, beginning of the 2000s. That movie, that first Marvel X-Men movie, I know that that was part of the Fox thing and blah, blah, blah. Let's not talk about ownership. Um, That first X-Men film, I I think that is where the pivot began. Now, granted, the sequels did not do as well as the first, but that first one, I think, kicked the door wide open. In terms of why do we keep trying to tell the same story, I think it's I think it's two things. One, comic books and any great literature, um, you know, basically harkens all the way back to Grecian theater. If if we and and you know, there's even the the concept of the different types of conflict in literature, and um, it used to be I, I think it used to be like the four types, and then it was the five types, and now I'm looking at it and there's a list of seven types of conflict in literature. Uh, but it's things like man versus self, man versus man, man versus society and nature and uh, machine and fate. Or um, And then there is uh, the seventh one is now the unknown slash extraterrestrial. Uh, so, so you have like these different conflicts. Every story that we enjoy is a reflection and a connection back to real life. We only tell stories that somehow – echo something we've experienced right even when people make something up completely absurd like douglas adams and dirk gently's holistic detective agency which i only just recently discovered for myself um even that is you watch it and you're like oh well that is straight douglas adams humor that's right because it's based on douglas adams books which douglas adams wrote based on experiences in his life you know it's so i think we keep trying to tell this story because of what dan said earlier Spider-Man, although a kid and flawed, always gets knocked down and then does his best to get back up. They touched on that in Into the Spider-Verse, where Spider-Man always gets back up. Mm-hmm. And when he doesn't, it's it's just it's soul crushing, right? We as humans, we want to believe that whatever we get hit with, we'll get back up again. Or no matter what we get hit with, we hope we'll get back up again. And I think that we keep telling these superhero stories. Because they are simply caricatures and exaggerations of what we hope we are on the inside. I think that's no, why we I, keep doing it. I mean, I agree. Um, I mean, fundamentally, we're all storytellers, you know, at, at our core. You know, as kids, we always tell, tell stories. We come up with these grand creative schemes 
Um, but fundamentally, I mean, that's how we, we passed history back long, long ago. It was through oral um, recitation of, of those histories. You know, uh, it's, it's a core part of us as humans. But you're, you're right. The stories that speak most to us are those that we can relate to, that connect to us, whether it's the hope, the glimmer of hope, um, whether it's something that we have gone through so that we empathize, sympathize with. It's that connection to us. That's why we continue to, to tell those stories over and over. And superheroes are the best way. You know, they are, you know, the hope of or, you know, what would it be like if we had that power, you know, and we can kind of live that life in their shoes. You know, we want to be able to be a giant rage beast that claws fling out of our our hands and we just tear into things. Hey, we've all been there. We've all been so angry. We want it. We're on this destruction, destructive past. There are times that we wish we were invulnerable, that we were like Colossus, you know, made of metal and nothing could get through to us and we could take a beating and it, it and it wouldn't matter there are some of us that are so afraid to connect with other people that we shy away because of our own insecurities and fear a lot like rogue you know if another person touches her it's going to hurt them um so there are a lot of ways we can connect and relate to these characters in, in so many different ways hmm. you know it's really interesting because as i've been thinking about that um, I've been kind of contemplating as you guys have been talking about, especially your own personal experience, but also thinking about the, the kind of generalized human experience, the things that we share in common the insecurities that we have to grow through. The, the thought that came to my mind is as I think about kind of the overgeneralized comic book consumer, it's the teenage boy stuck in their room, awkwardly moving their way through puberty, pimples and oil and gangly arms and the whole nine yards. Right. But the thing is, is, is as I think about that and also the way that it's evolved in pop culture, I think that it's, and again, this is my opinion, right? And this is me spitballing. Um, but I think that one of the reasons that it has real staying power is because it does reflect that yearning that we get as we start to uh, mature, as we move into our teens, into our young adulthood, where there are real changes and power vacuums in our lives that we're filling um, parts of ourselves that we're trying to understand in new ways and uh, powers, knowledge, abilities that we're trying to develop as, as we're evolving into that more adult space and that internal hope that whatever's on the other side of this struggle will lead to something greater. And then as you hit that kind of young adult phase and life is still growing, but things start to curve off. I think that that's kind of the evolution of the pop culture superhero is that it turns more into the, the concept of we have what we need and we can all make a difference, right? That what we do is not ultimately meaningless and that there are still powers that we have yet to discover and develop. Um, and I know that's really, really maybe a lot deeper than it's meant to be, but I'm just kind of thinking about this because I, I didn't get into superheroes until, you know, my adulthood really, but there's still powerful lessons to both of your points that are mm -hmm. contained within those stories. Um, and I grew up in a family where like 
Power Rangers, superheroes, all that stuff was completely frowned upon because it was way too violent. But when you talk to people who really love these franchises, you find patterns in which people aren't talking about the violence. They aren't even necessarily talking about the power. It's about being able to overcome your obstacles. It's about being able to be bigger than yourself and to be recognized as somebody who can actually contribute in a meaningful way. I don't know. It's, it's just kind of an interesting thought experiment to consider those, those kind of cultural impacts and the way that media is maturing to meet the more mature audience. Uh, it definitely is. And, you know, and it also, it's in the eye of the beholder. You know, I know there are multiple people out there that hate Superman because they see Superman as this super God. He's indestructible. What's the point? Yeah. The, yeah. But he's one of my favorite characters. I, and I know we're talking about Marvel, but the reason for that is not because he's all powerful. It's because he's an alien on an alien planet struggling to be human. And that's the underlying story that fascinates me is that he has all these powers and he could be anything he wants because he's a super genius beyond that. He's just as smart, if not smarter than Batman. And all he wants to be is human, hold a normal job, and wants the girl to love him. You know, <laughs> we have all felt that. We can all be that guy, you know. And that's what I love fundamentally about that character. It's not that he's super powerful. It's not that he can shoot rays out of his eyes. It's not that he... You know, he can beat up pretty much anyone he, he runs into. It's those key things. He wants to be human. He wants to hold down a normal job and wants the girl to love him. And I think a lot of people miss that point. You know, hmm. we, we, we kind of, we, there's a similar pattern with Spider-Man. You know, he wants to do what's right. He struggles to balance work and being a hero. And he wants the girl to love him. And he does everything he can, but he still screws up. Uh, you know, so I, I think those are, are fantastic fundamentals, you know, and we see those with various different, uh, characters, you know, even with the Captain America movie, you know, here we have a character that is super weak and more any of those other guys. I mean, we see that in that scene with Tommy Lee Jones, when he throws the grenade out and all the guys that he wants to be the super soldier flee and he jumps on the grenade shooing everyone away he's not afraid to beat up you know fight against bullies he hates bullies fundamentally you know and even after he gets superpowers he doesn't let it go to his head he still hates bullies he wants the girl to love him and he wants to do the right thing um which is fantastic i think we can all feel that way and when we look at these superheroes that way, we, we see past all the fluff, all, um, all the, you know, the, the spandex and superpowers. And it, fundamentally, that's what connects us to us, is those basic fundamentals. You know, we all want people to like us. We all want to do the right thing. So then that, that leads us, I think, great, uh, really well into another question. With which single Marvel superhero do you most connect or identify? Uh, it's a okay. thinker. So, so, it's so, a thinker. So, so, so let's, let's limit this in. Are we talking about every Marvel character out there? 
Or are we talking about just the Marvel characters in the current cinematic universe? No, no. Any any Marvel character. And, and if it's something that's more esoteric, you're going to have to explain yourself a little bit. But I think we're going to have to explain ourselves no matter what. So no, might and, 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 and Okay, good. Well, and, and it might be that you identify with several characters, but I want you to pick the one that's like at the core of who you are. Go. Well, for me, it's Spider-Man. Uh, it always Explain. has been, and that's, and that's why I've always loved the character. Um, you know, uh, uh, my childhood was very difficult. It was somewhat abusive, um, and I always ended up being at my grandparents' house. So in a way, you know, I could relate to, to Peter Parker quite a bit. Parents were gone. He was at Aunt May's house, and in the comics— and pretty much up until Tom Holland, Aunt May was always shown as a very elderly woman, very grandma-looking. Um, I've made a ton of mistakes. I, I, you know, I along my road through childhood and adulthood, I have made mistakes. I have made poor choices, and fundamentally, but at the same time, I've made good choices. I've made, uh, I've gone down the right path. Um, so I, I've been a balance of the two things. There have been moments when I've been a wisecracker. There have been moments where I just can't shut up, which is probably why I have a podcast. Um, you know, fundamentally, you know, for me, that is the character that con I connect with the most. And I have another one with, with DC as well. Um, and it's for pretty much the same reasons. But that... Yeah, that's the character. You know, I I appreciate Sp Iron Man. I appreciate Captain America and Thor, but I can't relate to those on a personal level where it's like, yes, I can be that character. I can like things they do, but I don't see myself as that character. I see myself as, you know, Peter Parker, the guy that's trying to do the right thing, hold down a job, provide for his family, makes mistakes. Gets a crap beat out of him every now and then, but still gets up, dusts his, knee, you know, his pants off, and charges forward. Hmm. I can definitely see that in you, Dan. Like, <laughs> a lot of people, hopefully some of you out there who are listening have had the opportunity to meet Dan in person before. But if you have not, go out of your way. Find some opportunities to, because Dan is a uniquely strong individual who well, thank you. continually finds ways to bounce back. Agreed. So at any rate, um, and, yeah. So, and that's, that was the interesting thing is like, I'm trying to think through my answer and I'm listening to you at the same time. Cause what you're saying is super interesting to me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and, and here's the other thing that I have to temper my response with. I have a very limited insight into the Marvel universe. The majority of my exposure is to the Disney Marvel cinematic universe I've been starting to get into other things. Um, so there may be a better fit for me out there than what I'm saying. But after a lot of thought into this, the one for me is probably Dr. Strange. Um, as again, as represented in the Disney Marvel cinematic universe, um, because the, one of the consistent experiences in my life is that I'm very quick on my feet, on my feet. I do a lot of study. I do a lot of thinking. I'm always the guy with the answer. I'm always the guy with the strategy. I'm always the guy who gets the job done. And in a lot of areas of my life, historically, that has manifested itself as ego. 
and it's manifested itself as me needing to be the guy who does the thing and nobody else can do it. And, you know, and, and that's a big lesson that I've had to learn particularly in, you know, the last decade is how to let a lot of that go. And I've had to take some really hard hits in order to be able to learn that lesson. Um, but on the other side of that is the concept that I can still feel that confidence in myself and I can still be excellent at what I do. But the reasons why I do things have, have had to change and the driving force behind what I do has had to change instead of it being about the prestige, instead of it being about being the guy in front, my inner monologue around that has shifted a lot more towards being able to contribute in a meaningful way and also being able to be more reflective and understanding about how maybe there are stories that I can tell that can help others and and maybe there are skill sets that I have that can lead to greater change in others that I can be part of a bigger fabric instead of just the guy, you know? Um, and I still, I still talk and have a big ego. So don't worry about that. If you ever get to meet me in person, I will definitely, uh, push you out of the way with my balloon. No, 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 not at all. He's, 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 he's not that way at all guys. Just so you know. No, um, no, I can see that. No, I definitely can. Um, and and that's a, a, that's a great connection, you know, especially Dr. Strange that you see, uh, in, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he does have that ego. He has that uh, sense of I have to be the best. I have to be the best. And there is an event that changes that. Uh, you know, knowing you for as long as I have, I've seen those events, and you have made a change. Um, not saying you that you're a jerk or anything like that, but uh, <laughs> that's because you, know, you didn't know me before you met me, Dan. That's but okay. It's okay. That's okay. Um, but. I mean, we we all go through those changes where we have a life-altering event and we have to fundamentally change. And there's nothing wrong with that. There really isn't. It's it's a that's part of life. We're constantly evolving and changing. Uh, things happen, and and either we stay on the same path and keep running into the same roadblocks, or we choose to change. And we go down a different path. And we may come into more roadblocks, but that's okay. We're constantly evolving, changing, becoming better, hopefully not change, becoming worse. Y- you never know. But with you going through that transformation, that, that's that's a really perfect thing. Um, and not only that, I mean, I mean, just talking to you, yes, you're smart, you're brilliant, but you are humble and, and kind. And those those are just as genuine and amazing talents and gifts that you have and you know there's nothing wrong with being this a smart person in the room um you know there's nothing wrong with being the smart smartest person in the room the problem is when it you believe you are the one and only smart person in the room and no one else has anything else that everything just kind of collapses you know i think the smartest person in the room is humble enough to admit hey that person does know something I don't, or that person has something to add beyond what I have to say. And now, I think you, met, you hit that. Thank you. With that being said, let's bag on Krebs. Absolutely. Right. So it ends <laughs> up I'm a villain. I No, I'm just joking. Uh, what? <laughs> no, no. 
Um, I, while this might sound a little bit like a repeat, uh, I, as I was thinking through all the characters that I feel like I know fairly well, uh, Spider-Man definitely comes to mind for myself too, but specifically the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, as it was portrayed, or rather the Spider-Man yeah. as portrayed by Tobey Maguire, right? Um, when, uh, you know, Peter Parker in, in Tobey Maguire's version, um, or I should say Sam Raimi's to give it proper credit, but you know what I mean. Uh, he was he was easy to overlook. He was um, shy. He was afraid, uh, and he was sort of a walking comedy of errors to a degree. He just he wasn't remarkable. Uh, and then he he has something that occurs that evokes change in him, mm-hmm. and this change occurs. And it's amazing to him, and he starts to come out of his shell. As part of that, he discovers new and wonderful abilities to talk to the girl he likes, to have more confidence, to stand up for himself, and to stand up for others. And um, and uh, but then there also as he so so he evolves from from sort of like the uh, unremarkable dweeb into someone who's worth noticing, and with that comes a certain level of popularity and power. After he has a little bit more of that popularity and power, he has another life event where he misuses that that power. And at first, in the moment, he feels vindicated in that decision. But ultimately, it costs him uh, in the currency of people he loves, right? And that had an enormous impact on his character and helped him realize that while there is this great power it is the power to save or the power to destroy and and he decides from that point at first he he wants to kind of he 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 almost wants to like let go of it but then he well no no actually the way that it's portrayed he immediately turns to sort of avenge what what wrong has been done which only makes things worse and then he finds a way to he finds that middle ground of, yes, I have this power, but I also have this responsibility. And he uses it instead to quell danger and threats to others around him and to uplift others, to help others and to benefit others as opposed to satisfy his selfishness. And I feel like that in a nutshell is sort of my transition through my youth into my adult life um, where I was – somewhat unremarkable and then i got a taste of popularity and power and at first it was super cool and then i started hurting people and when i realized what i was doing and when i realized the cost of what i was doing there was a very slow painful transition into finding a way to not hurt other people and that took a long time with toby mcguire you know it's a montage but in reality it's it took years to kind of figure out how not to hurt other people. And now I'm in a position career wise, even where my job is to help and uplift and enhance the lives of others. And that's, that's my purpose. That's where I live now. And, and it took me a long time to figure that out. And so I, I most identify with Toby Maguire as Peter Parker as Spider-Man. Yeah. And, and for those, fair, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and for those of you who haven't met, Josh Krebs before, um, you know, my, I, I, I met him on and off in the real world, uh, before this season of dungeon crawlers, but, 
uh, at the point at which we really started to get to know each other, you know, he, he showed up on a Saturday as we're a fledgling trying to get my new business put together. And he showed up and he started putting together tables and chairs with his wife and kids. Like, so any of you who, who, you know, maybe don't get to see us in, in the real world context, know that like, as we're talking about these things about ourselves and each other, that I, I can verify at least for these two, it's very real. And I hope that the rest of you can feel that sincerity, but I also, I also hope that, you know, that, that provides some hope for maybe those of us that are still putting it together. So. I hope so. I, uh, I, I want to make this specific message real quick, which is growing up, I was ruthlessly bullied at different points in my, in my formative youth. Um, and, uh, it was awful. It was horrifying. It was just terrible. And there came a point, I, I never thought this would be me, but there came a point my freshman year in high school where the tables absolutely flipped and I was the bully and I was good at it. And it was when I realized what I was doing, that was like a nightmarish anagnorisis. It was this, it was this terrible realization of what I'd been doing. Uh, so I want you to understand that if you are the target of being bullied, I know where you're coming from and I know how terrifying it is, but you don't have to be the bully in return to get out of that situation. And you can, even when you're the victim, you can be the one who victimizes. So it's important that we as humans understand where that line is and that we do our best to be on the right side of it. No, I I think that's actually captured in that first Sam Raimi movie really well. You know, when he goes after the the guy that kills Uncle Ben, you know, he had been bullied, and you know, you see, it's that moment when he sees the fear in the guy's face. He's like, "Oh my gosh, I've become the bully." I think that is a really poignant and pivotal moment for for Peter there, um, and and you're right. It's never a good thing when you become the bully. You make that transition. Unfortunately, sometimes it does happen. Um, but you made it out of it. You're not that person anymore. So, yeah. you know, we don't have to worry about that. And these types of stories are exactly what, you know, not, not only just Marvel, but we talk a lot about, <laughs> we talk about a lot of different stories here because they're central to our experience. And, the the stories that we consume this way they they give us the hope of being better than we are today of of yeah. finding that next step that next thing that 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 we can evolve into and that we can become bigger than we are yeah no i mean all, all comic books books novels everything has a general theme uh, of becoming better in some way or uh, i know it's in horror mo- books somewhere I, I just haven't found it yet, but I know it's in there. Uh, you know, romance novels, I know it's is. in there. I just don't know where at all. Um, but, I mean, basically, it, they're there to entertain, and they're there for us to get a sense of connection with those characters, and there are moral stories laced throughout them. Um, I cannot tell you the number of times I have picked up an R.A. Salvatore book, you know, with one of the one of his dark elf books and there has been a moment in my life i've read and there is a pointed passage in there that just hits me it's like that 
is what I needed at this moment. The same thing has happened in comic books. The same thing has happened in movies. Um, I just watched a movie a couple nights ago um, that uh, it's called Collateral Beauty with Will Smith. Fantastic movie. And it just perfectly, perfectly uh, connected uh, with me on that. So it, it is there. You know, that is what storytelling is about. It helps us to connect with ourselves, with others, and it helps us to hopefully achieve for something better and learn something from what we're reading. So, you know, Star Wars does it. Marvel does it. DC does it. Uh, all those comic books out there, all those novels, they all find a way to help us find our way down that path. Absolutely. Um, you know, as we as we come to sort of the conclusion of the episode here, um, I wonder if uh, I, this was just sort of a thought experiment. But you know, we we talked about the heroes with which we with which we identify. Is there a villain that you could have become? Is there a villain that could have been you? Oh boy. Okay. That, a that, villain I wish I was, or a villain that I could <laughs> if things just you know, would have gone crazy. You know, as you as you were talking, Dan, and and as I was considering my own comments on bullying and things like that, I realized that I, I wanted to pose sort of the the, the riddle uh, proverb of what's the difference between Professor X and Magneto, and the answer is a choice. Yeah. Right. Like the, the difference that I love that about about um, literary characters, but also just about it's true about humans. Uh, the difference between good and evil is a choice. Yeah, that's it. That, that, that yeah, is. At, in fact, in fact, if you look deeply at villain motivations, especially when you look at more current and contemporary literature, as opposed to sort of like the campy 1930s, 1940s, white hat, black hat, you know, um, if you look at at character motivations, um, Eric Magneto, he doesn't believe he's evil. He believes he is stopping evil. He believes yeah. that he's preventing further oppression on yeah. his minority group, right? Like he's, yeah. he believes he's protecting. Um, he doesn't believe he's evil. And uh, Xavier, who is foisting his beliefs onto others, hamstringing them, holding their hands back, he doesn't believe that he's doing anything evil. He believes he's doing the right thing. And you could argue it back and forth on either side of the fence. So oh, yeah. is there is there a villain that could have been you or that or that could have described or that describes what you could have been had you made a different choice? Yeah, so as I think about it, um, there's kind of a pseudo answer here for me, which is Tony Stark before Iron Man. Ooh, that's a good one. The guy, the guy who had the opportunity to have everything, who had every leg up in life, who was plenty intelligent, you know, and 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 had the connections, had the resources, and decided to channel that into more of the same instead of doing anything outside of his sphere of influence. Um or immediate, I should say immediate sphere, because we all have a much larger sphere of influence than we think we do. Um, 
but that's that's really kind of the thing for me because I was thinking like Justin Hammer is kind of the character foil to Tony Stark and Iron Man too, but that really wasn't a good fit. Um, and there are others that are kind of in the neighborhood, but just like you were just barely saying, it, it comes down to the choice. It comes down to when we're presented with a hardship, how do we decide to get through it? And there is definitely a dark timeline in which Iron Man didn't become Iron Man. And I could have very easily see myself falling into that. What about you, Dan? Uh, is there a villain that you could have been had you made a different choice? <laughs> we already used mine. Um, <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know, Eric Lencher, Magneto's real name. Um, you know, yes, he lived during the Holocaust. He, his family was taken from him, uh, completely destroyed. Uh, so he survived through that, that horrific time period. And you're right. He was on a quest to never let that happen again. Um, he thought he was using his powers for good. He went overboard. True. Um, most of my younger years, I was horribly bu bullied. I was a short, skinny redhead. You know, back then, gingers were not cool. They were carrot tops, and you got picked on. And, you know, sixth grade, uh, they drew straws to who got to beat me up after school. Yeah, those things happened. Um, I was dealing with a lot of abuse at home, um, almost routinely on a daily basis. Um, and it was not easy. It was not easy. Um, you know, most of my childhood, I never wore shorts. I never wore short sleeve shirts because I had to hide the bruises and stuff like that. Um, you know, it, you know, it's May, April, and May, it's 80 degrees outside and I'm still wearing pants and a long sleeve shirt type thing. You know, it can't be good. But, um, ultimately, you know, it was a combination of things. Thankfully, my grandparents were very loving and caring. They 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 made sure that I kn knew my my math, reading, and so forth. But they also loved me. You know, if I hadn't had that, I, I don't think I'd be on the path I am now. I think I would have ended up having another choice forced upon me that I would have I would have had. You know, it's kind of the I would have had the choice of which is the lesser of two evils instead of the go down this path and this thing happens go down this path those things happen type situation um and i could see you know i could have become uh, very negative and had a lot of negative thinking errors and become jilted and become much like magneto where it was me against the world and you know they were out to get me but i'm gonna make it right i'm gonna protect those that i you know, that I feel need protecting and I will wrong those that need to be wronged. But I, yeah, I definitely chose to go down a different path. Absolutely. Uh, Alton, what about you? Oh, no, you already covered yours, oh, right? Already, it's, it's, it's yeah, up you to did you yours. Now. It's actually my oh, turn. It's my turn. Oh, Josh doesn't even listen to me. I, I say don't so many words no, on these no. podcasts and he's just like the, the, the nice, neat little uh base patterns start to come in and he just watches his eyes glaze no and he just kind of tunes out no you you, he, you were just so used reformed tony stark yeah he's just so used to me talking first and then jumping to you yeah that's actually what it is 
Um, for me, for me, as I, I've been sitting here kind of mulling it over, and I think the villain that best describes what I could have been would be Kilgrave from the Jessica Jones uh, oh. series. Oh. Um, I, <laughs> it, for those who are unfamiliar, Kilgrave has this ability where he can compel you to do whatever he wants you to do for his own desires. Yeah. Um, and and while while I do not think of myself as super as that, um, I cannot compel people beyond that. I I do know from from experience, I and and other things in my life that um, I have at times used manipulation for selfish reasons instead of for uh, instead of for what's what I'm looking for like um, gregarious ones for. Um, philanthropic approaches right there is such a thing as good manipulation versus bad manipulation we often mani manipulate our kids into doing what's best for them right um, not that we lie to them but we we talk to them we convince them or we give them incentives that thus manipulate their motivations um and so there is such a thing as good manipulation bad manipulation but um there was definitely a time in my life where i was a bad there have been multiple times in my life where I have used manipulation for evil and selfish reasons. And I've had to train myself out of that and, and like move away from it uh, and get as far away from it as I can. Because I, again, the whole Peter Parker story of using power for evil and, and seeing the damage that it does. Uh, so I think I could have, I could have been a Kilgrave. Um, and I'm hopeful that I'm more of a Peter Parker in the end. Um, David and Tennant did an amazing job with that character. Oh my gosh, way. he was fantastic. And and to that end, I would love to give a, a huge shout out to all the Aunt Mays, to all the Uncle Bens, the Alfreds, the Xaviers who have spent their lives trying to get other people, trying to get youthful people, trying to get us to make the better choice to choose to be the hero instead of the villain because now i'm i'm on this awesome podcast with two other amazing men uh who are generous and gregarious and philanthropic and compassionate and uh i would not be fit to be in their presence had i not had those same positive influences in my life that helped me get out of bad situations too so big thanks to all of those out there who are training up the next superheroes yeah, agreed. So, it is time. It's game over. Well, not really. It's just, we're just going to say goodbye for now. We'll meet up with you next week. Um, again, as always, let us know your thoughts. Uh, we've definitely, just while talking, we, you know, I'm seeing messages pop up about ideas for future shows, just as we're, we're gabbing and, and, and talking. Uh, give us your thoughts of what type of shows you would like to hear from us. Uh, you know, definitely reach out to us. You can go to our website, dungeoncrawlersradio.com, click on contact us, shoot us an email, or even email us directly at info at dungeoncrawlersradio.com. It's exactly spelled out how it sounds. And let us know your thoughts. We love talking about these type of things. There'll be more shows coming uh, to you. And, um, you know... All I can say is, with that said, we're out of here. Okay, Dungeon Crawler, tell your story, whatever may come. And, as always, be epic. Don't suck. Remember, the Force will be with you.
always.